I invite you to remain standing for the reading of the text today, which is from Luke chapter 8, verses 38 through 42. If you follow along in your Bible or your Bible app on your phone, hear now the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was so distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, she came to him and she asked, and join with me, church, you are Martha's today, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let's bow together for prayer. May your spirit, O God, come and stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into your gospel for these, your people, in whose pray in the name of Christ and we gather in the name of Christ and we will go in the name of Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. I love verse 40. I've told my two older sisters, I quote this often as when growing up, I would say, Lord, don't you care that my sisters have left me to do all the work by myself? And my sisters would reply in the message translation, that's because you're the third child and you're spoiled. A father looked at his wife and said, honey, we want to make your Mother's Day special. What would you like for Mother's Day? What can the kids and I do? And she said, I want to be six again. And she said, oh, no problem. So they planned out the day. They woke up early. They skipped church. They, they found a little place that had like a little carnival going, and they got cotton candy. They rode the rides. They did all that. They went and got the Big Mac meal at a McDonald's. They got home at the end of the day doing all these things. The mother was amazing, so patient, entertaining with the kids. At the end of the day, the husband, quite proud of himself as the kids are settled down, said, hey, honey, how was that day? Did the kids and I do a great job of planning for you to be six again? And she said, you did, honey, but I meant a size six. <laughs> Sometimes we confuse what we hear. Sometimes we don't get it quite right. What we see on full display in the sense of what's reflected is Martha and Mary having two different responses in the midst of the encounter with Christ. Now, it's interesting to note, before you ever get to the text, what is the context of the text? And whenever you find shorter versions of, or shorter stories, I always want to say, what's preceding this story within the biblical text? What's following it? And what is Luke trying to connect for us? Because nothing stands completely independent, but it's woven to the larger story so I'm sure you remember that immediately preceding this text is the story of the Good Samaritan. And if there's ever a story about you ought to do something, it's the story of the Good Samaritan as three persons 
relied on religiosity to avoid meeting the need of the one who was in the ditch. But it was the Samaritan, the unexpected one. So before we ever get to this encounter in Bethany with Martha and Mary, we're setting the context of what is Luke inviting us to hear in this story, what's unfolding in this story, and immediately preceding this is the unexpectedness of how God uses a Samaritan to recognize a neighbor. Now we arrive at Martha's house. Uh, commentators speculate a lot that Martha would have been the older of the sisters because she was the one in charge and doing things. This is what my oldest sister advocates. I don't agree. She said, you're just like Mary. I show up and do everything and you just sit. That's not true. I said, but read the whole text, Jenny. I was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he said it's okay to do that while you do the work. <laughs> what do we do with this text? You've heard the phrase, right? If something needs to be done, well, don't just stand there. Do something, right? Well, what if we took the imagery and said just the opposite? Don't just do something. Sit there. The text gives us all the clues that we need about Different ways of responding in what we see in Martha and what we see in Mary. The first clue is in the opening verse 38. As they come to where the woman named Martha is, she opens her house to them. She's hospitable. She's opened the house. She had a sister called Mary. But in verse 40 it says, Martha was distracted. She was distracted. How often do you and I get distracted? And what distraction is in front of her? by all the preparations that had to be made. It's inferred in the text that Martha knew exactly what needed to happen, and she was expecting everybody else to do what needed to be done. And when she approaches Jesus, it's not with a question saying, hey, what would you like for dinner or what could be done? It's this, Lord, don't you care my sister's left me to do everything. The sense of almost complaining. She was distracted. How often, friends, do you and I capture the spirit of distraction and we literally in our journey of faith act as if we're driving down highway 59 and there's an accident on the opposing barricade but everybody slows down to do what to look we are in this constant process of comparison as a pastor in our culture if i could do one thing I would stop social media if I could do one thing, if I could just stop social media because I think it is the driving force that sets us at odds against each other because no one posts the worst, most ordinary day of their life. They usually post the best part of what they, they want you to think about. I do the same thing. I don't post when I've pulled off a triple bogey in golf. I mean, I post that tee shot that bounced off the tree, bounced through the trap, hit the rake, and rolled up on the green and say, look at that shot, right? And, and, and there's none of the stuff that's in the in-between. We easily can get distracted. Our focus can be in the wrong places. And it's not as if these things aren't important, but it's what we do with those. Do, do we get distracted? I would suggest to you that if we're not careful will move easily from getting distracted. And that word in the Greek is fascinating. It means being pulled in many directions. Don't you feel like that some days? That your focus is you're getting pulled in so many different directions. And if you get distracted so much, then you'll fall into Martha's approach that Jesus says you're worried about many things. The English standard version says that 
Mary was anxious that the distraction leads to anxiety and troubles. Anxieties and troubles lead to being resentful to others. And it's a terrible cycle that happens. There's times when I look at a biblical text. And I I wonder what would happen if rather than making a statement. I wonder what would happen if rather than making the statement. Martha had asked a question. I wondered what would happen. Jesus, what do you want me to do? But that wasn't a question, it was a statement. In fact, she even uses a word about her sister that connotes in the Greek that she has been abandoned by her sister. My sister has left me to do the work. If you read that in a literal translation from the Greek, it's, look, my sister has abandoned me and she's doing nothing. She has left me, she's abandoned me, and I'm having to do it all alone. Friends, let me tell you something I've learned, especially in 37 years of ministry. There is a difference between church work and the work of the church. And when given the opportunity to be busy, no matter how holy the cause, if you're given the choice to sit at the feet of Jesus or to be busy, pick Jesus. Pick Jesus. Remember we did the whole series on questions? It's fascinating that there's not a question in this text. And I wonder what would have happened if the engagement might have been different. Jesus' response to to Martha mirrors what I remember often growing up when my mother wanted to get my attention. Maybe you were the same. Uh, She'd call you by name, and that meant, okay, she wants your attention. And then she would sometimes either raise the voice or there would be something in the tonal quality of that singular name that said, okay, we didn't do the one, two, three or timeouts when I was growing up, but if we did one, two, three, one was Bert, two was Bert, and three, three was James Burton Palmer Jr. And it was amazing that the articulation that my mother had with every vowel and consonant left no wonder who she was talking to. In the tone, she needed to get my full attention. There are a couple of times in Scripture where God calls someone and mentions their name twice, or Jesus mentions the name twice, and here you have one of those. Martha, Martha, wanting to gather her full attention. Martha, you're worried. You're upset, you're troubled, you're anxious about many things. Look, few things are needed, and I love the NIV translation, or indeed only one. There's only one thing that's needed, and that is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, what this text is not telling us is that you don't have to do anything. Where is the text? The text follows the Good Samaritan. Our life and faith is the dance between sitting in the presence of Christ that should inform our actions and engaging what God wants. Friends, is there any doubt? I mean, it's so so fairly clear to me and so obvious that if the shelves of society are empty, then we the people should fill them. This is a no-brainer. Right? It's very obvious. We don't just sit here and go, okay, well, we're going to sit here 
at the feet of Jesus in worship, and we're just going to wait for the shelves to fill themselves. We know practically what that's like. But at times, we get distracted, we get pulled in many directions, and our focus tends to be on what we think needs to happen to make the situation move smoothly. And that's the important part of this text that I think sometimes in reading we overlook. Martha's had the home, she opens the home, and she was doing everything that she thought needed to be done. She had in her mind what needed to be done. How often do I wish that God could get my attention more clearly in the times where I think I've heard, I think I know, and I'm going to do this. It's the reason I need community. It's the reason I need a small group to help me be accountable in my walk with Christ, to know when do I need to sit and listen, and when do I need to rise and follow. And in community, I better hear the call of God. If you look at Mary's life, in the 11th chapter, when Jesus returns, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus has died, he's been put in the tomb. When Jesus arrives back at Bethany, Mary falls at the feet of Jesus. In John chapter 12, she kneels before Jesus, anoints his feet with oil. You see, Mary is all about knowing to get to the feet. Mary probably needs a helper to say when to rise and follow. And Martha probably needs someone to say, hey, that can wait. Let's sit at the feet of Jesus. But friends, when you get Martha and Mary together, look out. Look out. You've got a community that's being birthed and understanding there are times when we need to not just stand there and do something. And there are times when we need to not just do something, but to listen. And if there's any doubt about how we need to listen to the rhythms of Mary, I submit to you one example, and every one of you has one. Every one of us. How often when the phone rings do we look? And it's, is this, oh, hang on, I got a text coming in. Oh, it's the grandson. Hang on. He's saying happy birthday instead of happy Mother's Day. Sorry. I don't think my daughter knew that was going to be played in church. Those are joyful moments. But these moments that come to us are filled in less than joyful moments that are distractions. How are you dealing with those distractions? How are you within your community knowing you need people to help you kneel and sit at the feet of Jesus and people who help you know it's time to rise and get something done? All of this, I think, for me, becomes clear in a poem that was written by the late Jesuit friar Arupe. He died in 1991, and he wrote a poem about what it means to live with only one purpose. This is the mystery of the text. What is that one thing that's needed? Well, I think the one thing that's needed is sitting at the feet of Jesus, because if you get clarity on who you are, you'll know that what you do is filled with purpose. 
And this is the poem that Jesuit Friar Rupe wrote that, that gives us a lens into what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus before we try to be his hands and feet. He says this, Nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you will do with your evenings, how you will spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. This is the call of the cross. To fall in love with a God who's loved us with an everlasting love. To stay in love with the one whose love will never let us go. Or as recorded later in John, Jesus tells the disciples that everybody who comes to me, the Father places in my hand, and nothing in the world can snatch them from my hand. Friends, you are not only engraved in the hands of the Savior upon the cross, you are held in his tender hands. Not only does he have the whole world in his hands, you've got his world. He's got your world in his hands. And how you love him and respond to that, it will decide and determine everything. Thanks be to God on this day for all of those mothering presents in my own life that helped guide and direct me. People who were not my biological mother, but who had a mothering presence in my life, who at times would grab me by the ear growing up and said, you've been baptized, act like it. Or aren't you so-and-so's son? People who nurtured me, challenged me, strengthened me, encouraged me, and for all those who walk this day with an aching part in their heart, as Joe alluded to within that prayer and spoke so eloquently, may God fill the pain that you may feel with his presence. For those who are walking in a journey of struggle, may God's strength be with you. And for those who are walking into seasons of the sacred gift of a mothering presence, may you do it well. And may you help those around you know they first must grow to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus before they rise and tend to the task. Let's pray together. God, help us to fall in love with you and respond to that love of Christ first and foremost. Help us to have that spirit of Mary, certainly, that it's always looking to fall at your feet, to kneel before you, to listen to your teaching. But God, we don't want to abandon the spirit of Martha that's the doers because without the Marthas of this world, we wouldn't get things completed or done. But help us to find a community, the balance between the two. When to not let the task before us become distractions that pull us away from the cross and the feet of Jesus too quickly. But God, help us always when faced with a choice of sitting at the presence and the feet of Christ or the busyness of the world. Help us choose Jesus. Help us to, oh God, fall in love, stay in love, and let that love for you and your love for us decide everything in our life.
We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen.